When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 28 of our study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And um, I was thinking about this as I was reading uh, what we're going to get into. Uh, When you watch a football game, especially the NFL today, and um, you get one of these receivers that, that gets into the end zone and creates a touchdown. What do they do, right? They do the touchdown dance. And they sometimes they're doing crazy touchdown dances. You know, sometimes they do um, not crazy touchdown dances. They've each got their kind of own unique signature thing that they do, right? They're so excited. My friends, all they did was catch a football. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, Obviously, you've got some pretty amazing people trying to prevent you from catching that football, but ultimately, all it is is catching a football. It's, I think, in the world, uh, (laughs) in the big picture, it's not that big of a deal. But obviously, sometimes when you catch that football, it means that somebody is going to make a lot of money or some, you know, some sponsors are going to make a lot of money. There, there, there could be some significant things that could happen because of you catching that football. We could place a lot of emphasis on you catching that football. We could have an award, a trophy, that the Heisman Trophy that we're going to give out uh, because of uh, you know because of you catching that football. I mean, there's lots and lots of different things that we can place importance on, but ultimately, it's just catching a football. It's something that that person has probably done millions upon millions of times and they've perfected that craft and they catch it but it's i mean honestly they didn't cure cancer right they didn't they didn't do a surgery to to prevent you know to prevent the art you know open up the artery they 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 didn't uh you know invent some sort of drug that's going to prevent some you know illness i mean it's it's just catching a football <laughs> that they've done over and over again. But but we place a lot of emphasis on some things, right? Well, this rescue of the Israelites out of Egypt, this truly is something that's amazing, that God would bring them through the Red Sea and then close off the Red Sea over the Egyptian armies to prevent them from pursuing the Israelites really is an amazing thing. Now that, my friends, is not just catching a football. That is something much bigger than catching a football. And it deserves its own victory dance. Um, I I know that uh, one of the football players, Tim Tebow, when he would catch a football, instead of of doing the victory dance, he would get on his knee and thank God. I mean, I've always thought that Thanking God after a great victory is not a bad way to go. And so the Israelites do just that. And they have their own victory dance. And it's a beautiful victory dance. It's a beautiful song uh, that, that is sung. Um, and we're going to read through this. This is in Exodus 15. And as we do, I would just like you to consider for a moment as we read through this, that the God that brought the Israelites out of slavery and safely through the waters 
has brought you out of your slavery to sin and safely through the waters of baptism to bring you into his kingdom. It's like he's opened up the fortress, right? And he said, come, my child, and you walk into the kingdom and he closes the gate and you are now safe from enemies. Like nothing on this earth can get you, right? Satan can't get you. The enemies can't get you. You are safe in the fortress of the kingdom of God. That's where you are. So that no matter what garbage happens in this world, and some of it can be painful and some of it can be um, difficult to go through. Some of it might cause a lot of stress in your life. And those are things that are natural, but you're safe in the fortress. And you will remain in the fortress now forever because you're in the kingdom of God. So you woke up this morning. You, I don't know if you've had breakfast or coffee or whatever and what stresses you're going to deal with today and what problems you're going to deal with today. You know, None of that really, in a sense, none of that really is of ultimate importance like catching a football, right? The, the truth is, is that, you, that you're in the kingdom. I mean... You're with God forever. I mean, it's He's there right beside you. He's helping you fight the battles of life, and he's won the war for you in your life. And so as you think about that, just um, as we read through this, also think in your head that God has rescued you out of slavery of sin and that you're now safe from the enemies of God. And uh, so this could be your victory dance. This could be something that you could sing to God. So we're going we're gonna to go into it. It's Exodus chapter 15. Um, this is uh, the song of Moses and Miriam. Uh, we'll get into that. But this is Exodus 15, beginning of verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is exalted highly. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I'll just stop there for a second. We'll continue on. But um, there's a song that we used to sing. I don't know if it was in grade school or high school, but it's, it's uh, basically this victory song. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. And then another person would sing, The Lord, my God, my strength, my all, now he is my victory. And then, The Lord is God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Anyway, it's a three-part round. You sing it, you do each part of that. It's like row, row, row your boat, but larger with three groups of people. And uh, it really is kind of cool. Um, I, I wish I had a technology that I could, could I sing all three of it and loop it and you could see what it sounds like. But it's pretty cool. Um, but when we get to I will sing to the Lord, uh, remember that it's in all capital letters. Just take a look at this. I will sing to the Lord. It's in all capital letters. This is the name of God. It is Yahweh. It's the, it's the tetragrammaton. It's the four letters that signify God. We're not exactly sure how it's pronounced. And in the Hebrew language, they would never pronounce the name of God 
because it was too holy. So they would either change it to Adonai, which is Lord, or Hashem, which is the name. And and then in the Hebrew text, they would give you the vowels of Yahweh over on top of it to tell you whether or not to say Hashem or or, or uh, Adonai. But but in the Hebrew text, this is I will this is a this is a praise to the name of God. It is to God, and it's His personal name. It's not like saying I will sing to the president. Right. Uh, it's it's taking the president's first name and saying, I will sing to right now, Joe or before that, you know, one of the other president's names. Um, th- this is the personal name or or instead of saying the queen, it's like I will I will sing unto Elizabeth or. Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? L- Lilibeth, Lilibet, Lilibet. I think when she was younger, she was called Lilibet. So I think. Markle and Harry and, and Markle or whatever, they're naming their child Lilibet. And there was a bit of, of a kerfuffle over that because that's the little personal name of the queen. And you don't name somebody Lilibet when the queen is still alive and all that sort of thing. You know, there's a little bit of stuff going on about that. But when you when you when we read through this, I will sing to to Yahweh. I will sing for he is highly exalted. Uh, I'm not going to say that through the whole because it is offensive to Jewish when you say the name, the proper name of God. So, but when you hear Lord, it really is his personal name. And why is that important? Because when the Jews decided that the name of God was so holy that when when you even were near the name of God, that you took off your shoes because you were on holy ground and you didn't even say the name of God, that is an important characteristic of God. But you have to understand that God is also given a personal name that he gave us. And the Jews, they, they became so enraptured by not saying the name of God. You know, this is, this is God. We're nothing. He is everything and all that. But they forget that God revealed his personal name to them and that God wanted them to know his personal name. He didn't want them to know of them as God and Lord. He said, this is my name and use it, call upon me. It's, it's, it's a dichotomy. In some instances, when we hear the law of God, we think about his holy presence and we don't even want to say his name. But on the flip side, he has brought us into the kingdom and made us a child. And, and Jesus bring this out, brings this out in the Lord's Prayer when he says, Our Father who art in heaven, right? It's not just the Father who's angry and evil, not evil, angry and uh, you know, trying to force you to follow his commands. He's also Abba Father, the one that wants you to know that you're safe in the kingdom. Both of those things exist. He is a holy God who created the universe, who demands perfection from us. But on the flip side, once you've been brought into the kingdom of God, you have you can sit on your father's lap and talk to him and and, uh, and joke with him and, and know that he's, he's with you in all things. He is unchanging. He is both holy and loving God. And... I think one of the problems with with creating the name of God is so holy that you can't say it is that you forget that God is also 
an everlasting, wonderful, merciful God who loves you very much. So as we sing through this, as we read through this, and we see Lord, don't just think of a, of a, of a king sitting on the throne who's uh, angry and bitter with his righteousness, but that he's also a God who has redeemed you and brought you safely through the waters and destroyed the enemies, all right? So, um, yeah, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is in his name. Or you could say Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. We'll continue on. Verse, um, verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Yahweh, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. And just, uh, just to remind you that... Um, that uh, oh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so um, hold on. I'm just having a bit of a, bit of a kerfuffle here. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you shattered your enemy. Um, now I lost my, my train of thought. The, the deep waters have covered them. Yeah, so this is also to understand that um, this could have been six to eight inches of water. I mean, the deep waters covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. This is definitely deep water. This is definitely a miracle of God that Moses stretched out his staff and the waters parted and the Israelites came through. And then he stretched out his staff again and the waters covered up Pharaoh's armies. This isn't, this isn't just some small sea. This is a major sea. This is a major victory. There is no way the enemies can pursue ever again because God dealt with the enemies. We continue on. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging water stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. They're just continuing on with this whole thing, just talking about his greatness and his majesty. The enemy, well, they boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you, you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. All right, so, um, so this is what God did. This is truly an amazing miracle that he did. He breathed out of his nostrils. Of course, God doesn't have nostrils, but figuratively. By parting the waters, he breathed out of his nostrils his mighty power, right? You think of a horse with his nostrils breathing or somebody who's angry, snarling or whatever, but he breathed out of his nose and the waters parted. This is what God did. So now pause on, reflect on it. What does that mean? I mean, who is God? Who among the gods is like you? Yahweh, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, because you stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies in your unfailing love. So, so this is what you did. And because of that, who else is like you? Like what enemies can break down the fortress and get in? And the answer is none. 
When you're safe in the kingdom, nobody can get in and grab you and pull you out of the kingdom. This is what it says in Romans 8, 38, right? Neither height, nor death, nor angels, nor powers, nor things past, nor present, nor anything else can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We are safe in the kingdom. Now that does, we're safe. Let me just put it like, we're safe in the kingdom. No enemy can breach down the door and get into the kingdom and grab you and pull you out. That's just not going to happen. And, and so, so we continue on reading. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you brought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. So the Lord brought them out of slavery in Egypt through the waters. The enemies have been killed in the sea. But that's only the Egyptian enemies. And if God can do that, if God can rescue them and kill the enemies in the past, the Israelites should be very, very confident that the Lord will destroy the enemies in the future because they're not in the promised land yet. They're going to the promised land, and to get to the promised land, they have to pass by the enemies of Moab and Philistia and Canaan, all of these different enemies. The Lord's somehow going to have to deal with them too because wherever the Lord's taking them, if it is a place filled with milk and honey, there are probably already people there you know, at this point, I don't think they know yet where this land is and if there are people occupying this land or not. But, but the Israelites know that they're going to have to pass by different people. And those people may not be happy that the Israelites are passing by. And yet the Lord's going to have to protect them. He's going to have to create a wall of water around them too so that they can get into the promised land. Uh, and the Israelites here are confident that God is going to do that. They sing a song about it. They're so happy. Terror and dread will fall upon the enemies, but the people of the Lord will be fine. He continues on in verse 18. Yahweh reigns forever and ever. <laughs> Boy, isn't that, that's just, I could, I could put that on a hat. The Lord reigns forever and ever. My goodness, in my heart, in my life, because I am safe in the kingdom with him forever and ever, he reigns forever and ever. All is good. All is good. Verse 19. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, Yahweh brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel or a tambourine in her hand. And all the women followed her with timbrels, and they said, dancing. Now, this is, um, we know that uh, Miriam is also Moses's brother, right, or sister. Um, but it's also Aaron's sister. And so Miriam the prophet, this is the Miriam, right, that kind of helped guide Moses to the palace with, uh, with uh, Pharaoh. She picks up a timbrel 
and now this is her song. It's a kind of a shortened version of it, but we're going we're gonna to sing that too. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. <laughs> That's Miriam's song, which is very, very basic. Sing to the Lord, for he is exalted, the horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Those are words you could put on a shirt. Um, and the reason why you could put that on a shirt, I mean, when you think about it, on one hand, it's, it's, um, it's kind of gruesome. I was out with Jennifer this morning on the, on the back patio enjoying the morning, and, um, and uh, I was telling her this is, this is kind of a gruesome story. When you think about it, we always think about it from the perspective of the Israelites, that God is protecting us and destroying the enemies. Well, he's also destroying the enemies. And sometimes destroying the enemies is a very painful and difficult thing concept to, to think about. Because as in any war, the enemy is going to get destroyed. And on the one hand, we should be grateful that God destroys our enemies. But on the other hand, there should be a tinge of sadness in our heart that the enemies actually drowned in the sea. That, that these great mighty warriors also had families and, and you know kids or uncles, aunts you know, at home and they were destroyed. And that's... It's unfortunate that, that the enemies of God get destroyed. But my friends, the enemies of God are already destroyed. If you are setting yourself up against God, that is not a good place to be, Satan. You should never set yourself up against the creator of the universe. He has all the power. He has all the cards. He's already won the war. Setting yourself up against him is futile and meaningless and stupid. So don't ever set yourself up as an enemy of God because you will be destroyed. In the uh, Reformation, the church used this knowledge, this, this fact that the enemies of God will be destroyed to say don't ever become an enemy of God. And the way that you don't become an enemy of God is all these different things. And then they use that as power, which was not good. But the truth of that is still true. Don't ever set yourself up as an enemy of God. Follow his commands. Follow his decrees. Follow him. Be with him. Um, that, is, that is truly the way to live your life. Because God will destroy his enemies. Now, it also is true that if you follow God's law, that, that it actually your life goes better. You, you, you live a life with purpose and meaning, and, and because you're safe in the fortress, you'll never get out of the fortress. But on this earth, we, we all die, and the question is what happens with this life that you've been given on this earth, and are you going to serve God? Are you going to serve yourself or whatever? But, um, but you're safe in the kingdom, that's for sure. Um, I think we'll go ahead and read. There's there's a couple more. There's another section of this that Moses starts out into the wilderness, and we'll just go ahead and read that. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. Marah is the Hebrew word bitter. So they couldn't drink the water because it's bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? And then Moses cried out to Yahweh, his personal God, 
And Yahweh showed him a piece of wood and he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. So they just were rescued and they get into a place and it's like, we have nothing to drink. So Moses cries out to the Lord. And the Lord says, throw a piece of wood in the water, it'll be fine. And so Moses does that. And of course the water's fine. And there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said this, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So now they've been brought safely to a place called Elam. And Elam must have been a very, very nice place. Maybe this is the promised land, right? I mean, he brought them out of slavery. The, the Egyptians aren't going to go all the Well, if you take the path that I assume this is, the Egyptians aren't, you know, now they've been destroyed. Whatever is remaining, they're going to go back to Egypt. They're going to tell what happened about how God, imagine that story. The Lord opened up the sea. The Israelites went through. We pursued them and the sea came and destroyed everybody. We're the remnant. And we're telling this story that got back to Egypt. That must have been a, a terrifying story. So the Egyptians probably aren't going to pursue the Israelites anymore. First of all, they're not going to go through the Red Sea to do that. And second of all, they now know that God is large and in charge. They're not going to do that. So now the Israelites are here at this place called Elam. I mean, there's 12 springs. Think of that. That's a lot of water. We have here in Vale, Sienega Creek, which is fed by a spring. And all of that water, believe it or not, is piped up and carried to all the golf course lakes here in Rancho Del Lago. Rancho Del Lago, the, the ranch of the lakes. There is not groundwater that is, fit. well, there is, there is a pump with groundwater that can fill the lake when the spring, spring dries up. But for the most part, for 95% of the time, the water that is dammed up at Santa Dam is brought through piping system and it fills all the lakes at, at Rancho Del Lago. And that's just one spring. And I think that one spring could probably give enough water to drink, not to bathe and shower and toiletry and all that, but to drink for all of Rancho Del Lago, the 3,000 homes that are there. Um, that's just one spring. Here there are 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camp near the water. You got to wonder, is this the promised land? Is this the place where God's going to settle them? They didn't have to defeat any enemies. They didn't have to go by the Moabites and the Canaanites and all of these people. Um, maybe this is the promised land, but if you know the story of the Exodus, it ain't even started yet. This is just a, an encamp. Maybe they should have stayed here, but God is calling them from a place of comfort into a place, a journey that is a difficult journey. And once we're in the kingdom, we're safe. It's so easy for us to say, okay, we're fine here. But God has called us in a journey. And the journey he's called us in is, listen, I've blessed you. It's like what he told Abraham. I've blessed you so that you can be a blessing and that you can love the world around you. You are called to be my hands and feet. And sometimes that pulls us out of our comfort level. And, uh, but we've got to do that. 
but we're safe in the kingdom. All right, so I think we'll uh, I think we'll end it there. Let's uh, close in prayer. Gracious God, um, as you brought the Israelites safely into um, <laughs> into the promised land or towards the promised land, we we thank you that you brought us into your kingdom and your promised land. Help us just to reflect and love that on on that today. In Jesus' name, amen.